It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. What's up, boss? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, man. You know me. What am I? Bless, man. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I start that every episode. I tell people I'm blessed, man. But yeah, super blessed. Grateful for the for the moment, always for the mo- yeah. uh, for those in the room, everybody mm-hmm. here, um, and for the first time listeners, welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. As yes, I stated, sir. this is the Up and Up podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture. Right. Yep, yep. We do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, those who are breaking down barriers, taking up space. Right. Yep. Not not for not only for all of us who are currently here, but for the next generation, right? Yes, sir. Got to put it down now so they could pick it up. Um, yeah, man, I'm super excited uh, because, man, I, I just love coming in and doing these episodes. Like I say, it's always great to take a pause and um, kind of like escape from the madness that's going on out here to really pause and really um, have real dialogue. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so for those listening... Welcome to the family. Um, for the oh, for the consistent listeners, we got to shout them out. You know, they might get mad or whatever. But um, <laughs> shout out to the family members, man. The the consistent supporters, uh, viewers, listeners, and the encouragers, man. We 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 love you guys. We thank you guys. Salute to you. Um, now, like I said, today's definitely a special moment. Um, today's episode is uh is I would say like um somewhat of a meeting of the minds, right? Um, and I think it's also something to push out the proper frequencies that we need to put out, um, into the world, into our communities at, at this very time. You know what I mean? Um, both of these brothers are what I would say the epitome of what it means to be a culture cultivator. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and in addition to that, they're also up and up podcast alumni, right? It's always good to have the alumni come back. You know what I'm saying? Um, to go a little bit deeper, man, today we are joined by the amazing force of change and city of Seattle and King County councilman. Newly reelected councilman, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Grandma is a highlight, as well as CEO and founder of the Culture Shifting and Impactful Community Passageways, Dominique Davis. Um, we're honored to have him here today to have real, like I said, real dialogue for direction. You know what I'm saying? Dialogue yeah. is dialogue, but what are, where are we going with it and what is the direction? And today, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're excited to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, without further ado, <laughs> let's give both of these brothers a good round of applause. Man. Come on, clap yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back, I should say. Welcome back. How y'all doing? How you doing, brother? It's good to be back. I'm living a vida loca. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, man. I love that. Um, Well, you guys are familiar with the show, um, keeping it in the theme of the show. We always start every episode with the quote of the day. So let's let's let Brother Man Erm do that for us real quick. Yes, sir. What you got for us? Quote of the day today is, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Um, who was that quote by? Uh, Obama. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's your man's right there. That's the man, <laughs> but uh, 
That's an appropriate quote for what we're talking about right now. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 Can you run that back one more yeah, time? Yeah. Got you. Yeah. So the quote is, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How y'all feel about that quote? <laughs> that makes me want to preach. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I live by that. Right? I, I feel like he didn't create that quote for some reason. Maybe he did. I just think I heard it before Obama. Yeah. Mm. But um, I do live by that, that, that saying. I, I do. I, I couldn't wait somebody to make change in the community. I couldn't wait for somebody to bring employment opportunities or trying to build economic structures or bring a youth achievement center or bring a black bank or like I couldn't sit back and wait. I just realized that if we sit back and wait, it's never gonna happen. Mm. Who are we? Right? Mm-hmm. Who are we? We are kings and queens. We built the world. We built dynasties. We were here for you know, don't get me started on that. But yeah, I will yeah. just I will just say yeah. I, I will just say yeah, this is this is yeah that's that just rings home with me. Mm. Yeah, not not only is it uh, a preference or something good to live by, it's a necessity. Yeah, like if you really want change, you you have to be part of that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if when we're talking about community safety and mm-hmm. gun violence reduction and all of that, every single person has a role to play. And if you don't play a role, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good, man. And that's I did, I did, I chose that because of what we're about to talk about, but I chose that because of you guys, because what you guys represent, and you guys didn't wait for change, you guys are proactively trying to make it happen, so that's kind of why I brought it up, too, mm. or chose that quote. You know, you, know, you, never, you never miss yeah. on the quotes, man. You already <laughs> DJ Irm, don't miss. On, he don't miss, man. <laughs> I just want to give you guys your flowers, that's why. Yeah, so, no, most yeah. definitely. Um, so, just before we jump into kind of the... The focus of the of the conversation in the episode. I just want to kind of get a pulse on both of you guys. Like, you know, as we approach the final lap of 2023, you know, a lot has happened. Um, highs, lows, in betweens, whatever the case is. Um, but like how has the year treated you? Uh, both of you. Like, how would you describe kind of how you how the year has treated you? Peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Peaks and valleys. Uh, a lot of Big life changes this year. Uh, Coach Dom's mad at me because I didn't tell him I got married. And <laughs> hey, congratulations. Round of applause, man. Round of applause, man. Congratulations. Congrats. Uh, got a baby on the way, too. So wow. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of peaks. But then we all know about the valleys. The world is a stressful place right mm-hmm. now. Uh, too many shootings. Too many people living on the streets. Too many wars. Um, and that trickles down into the personal life and the professional life for mm-hmm. me. Like, my job becomes really stressful as... Coach Dom's does too. Um, so when I look back on 2023, I I don't see a lot of um, status quo. I don't see a lot of just middle level stuff. I see I'm hella happy mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. hella down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think 2023 was the beginning of a, an awakening, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. There's always... a really rough patch before you get to smooth sailing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking at the way we're starting to see things, things that we didn't notice before, not just on a local level, on a statewide level, but on a national and a worldwide level. People are starting to wake up and see the disparities and the lies and deceit that they've been told and taught and indoctrinated with. 
So I feel like 2023 was a, a time for people to wake up, mm. right? And we are facing a lot of adversities, a lot of um, things that are discouraging and, and, and depressing and can you know pull you down. But when I sit back and watch and see people are ready to address things that we normally swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And so I think 2023 was that year of the beginning of the awakening. And I think 2024 is going to be the awakening. Mm. I love that. It puts things in perspective for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, man. Now I do, I do want to dive into, I mean, we kind of touched on it already, but some of the topics of, of the rising gun violence, right? Community well-being, public safety, um, for both of you brothers who operate in your respective spaces, um, you guys have your own respective teams, and you guys are attacking the issues from two different angles, it seems like. Um, can you just kind of inform and kind of just let people in on kind of some of the things and the work you guys have, have been doing with your respective teams to kind of address the areas of gun violence and public safety, um, some of the things you may, may have been trying to or have been implementing or looking to implement? Um, I think it'd be dope for people to – get some insight on some of the work you guys have been doing. Yeah, I might th- I'd rather let him go first and from the government perspective mm-hmm. in, the, in, in a seat that he's in and been able to do the work in the community, and then I'll, I'll follow that okay. behind that to show the collaboration of the two. Okay. I think before we start talking about what solutions we're doing, I think it's important for people to know that what you're feeling when it comes to gun violence, that it feels like it's on the rise and people are really scared right now, it's all valid. It's all true. Mm -hmm. Uh, The all-time record for homicides in Seattle was 1994. There were 69 homicides. Mm. That was 1994. And since then, we haven't reached anywhere close to that. If you went back three, four years ago, 10 years ago, I think we had an annual rate of like in the 20s and 30s and and 40s. Mm -hmm. This year, uh, I think we just broke the all-time record just today or yesterday. Yesterday. Wow. Yesterday, all-time record. 70, 70 homicides, yeah. 81% of those homicides are gun violence shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one thing that people reach out to me about, my constituents, my neighbors, my community members, is shootings. They're just afraid because they feel like if you're in any other city, cities that have way higher gun violence than, than Seattle does, uh, they feel safer just because it feels like in those cities you're being targeted if you're going to be shot. But mm-hmm. in Seattle it feels like People just start shooting anywhere, mm, and yeah. the bullets have no names, and anybody can get got. And people that I work with every day um, in the Rainier Beach mass shooting, uh, people that I work with every day, Southeast Network, uh, people who interrupt gun violence that you work with a lot, mm-hmm. uh, they were terrorized. There was a mass shooting at the Rainier Beach Safeway parking lot, people bleeding out, very scary stuff. A uh, couple weeks after that, the hookah bar, uh, we don't have to get too much into that. That one hits too close to home and is hard to talk about. Uh, but just week after week after week, mass shootings, random shootings, uh, pregnant woman with her husband in a car downtown Seattle mm. killed. Like, it's just nonstop. And it's the number one thing I hear about. It's the number one thing that's on my mind. Mm-hmm. So I just want to call that into the space yeah. because before we start going into the solutions, it's important that people know. This yeah. is, to me, is the number one crisis in our city, in mm. our county right now. Mm. Yeah. And so I just want to sit with that for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think um, it, it, there's, like, tears to, like, people's awareness as well, right? So I'm glad you did bring that up because mm-hmm. I think people 
hear gun violence and there's a narrative. And it can, it can be surface level to some folks. And I think it is important to provide context. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think there's statistics and there's context. And I think mm-hmm. what you just did right there is provide context. Yeah. And people need to hear that. And yeah. the, the, the statistics are uh, historic right now. And it's also important to know that the story doesn't end with the shooting. You know, the media attention follows through for maybe a week yeah. around a specific shooting. About yeah. a week is the is the lifeline. The people that I work with every day, they live with that shooting for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I work regularly right now, for example, there was a, a mother whose husband was driving Uber in Soto. He got shot and killed while driving Uber. And now she is a single mother trying to raise three kids, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And once a week, at least, my team is on the phone with her. The story didn't end with her husband dying. Now she has bills to pay. Her yeah. rent's piling up. Her kids don't have a dad in the house. Mm-hmm. They're looking for ways to get guidance and support. Uh, the mom needs mental health resources. She needs a job that's virtual so she can stay home with her kids. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only one. I can tell you about working with uh, Elijah Lewis's mom. She's mm-hmm. still going through it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you about working with Devon Pickett's mom. She's mm-hmm. still going through it every day. His mm-hmm. wife is still going through it mm-hmm. every day. Her business mm-hmm. is getting shut down. Uh, well, it's okay now, but they, she thought it was going to get shut down because there was another shooting at the same spot yeah. where he was killed. So the I bring that up to say the shooting is one story, but the ripple effects of the shooting literally last forever, mm-hmm. and they lead to more shootings. So it's, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then we also have to look at the dynamic of when you have a parent, a father, uh, a brother, your homie get murdered, the domino effect not only goes through the family, it ripples through the family, but it also ripples into, you you got to, it's going to be some get back, right? There's going to be, and nine times out of ten, the young people that we come across that has had a father go to prison for murder or a father that has been murdered, mm-hmm. they end up in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just a, it's a it's a systematic generational thing that we got that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that. Um, when he says the ripple effect, yet yeah, we are constantly working with the families who have been victims of gun violence. That's what we do mm-hmm. daily, right? It's, it's it's a lot of them, but I don't, I'm gonna go there in a minute. Let me let me backtrack. Whether it's 25 people that get murdered in a year, 35, 45, 70. We've been dealing with this violence for decades. Mm -hmm. And we've been yelling from the rafters for decades. We need to do something about the gun violence in our black and brown community. Now it's been so rapid. Like you said, gunshots are popping off anywhere and bullets don't have no names on them. So now it's affecting the bubbles that the other communities that didn't have to face the kind of level of gun violence that yeah. we've had to face for decades are now being affected by it mm-hmm. and now being terrified by it and now their bubbles are being bursted because it's in the spaces that they occupy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now there's a higher um, sense of awakening and, and attention and urgency, right? and urgency yeah. right? Because now it's affecting other people besides us. But when it was just affecting us and we're saying, hey, we need resources, yeah. we need jobs, we need housing, we need mental health service, we need better education, we yeah. need better uh, yeah. employment opportunities, we need, wasn't nobody listening. Mm. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Because yeah. we were out here doing this to each other for a long time. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So how would you not think and expect us to end up in this space? Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't getting the attention. 
Yeah. Now all of a sudden the invest, investments are wanting to be put into it. Some people have not enough investment, but mm-hmm. people want to put more investment and more attention and more time because now politicians can get reelected and they can keep their jobs. Now people can pack up organizations and government departments have been lifted up. Mm-hmm. There's all these gun violent departments and all these, now it's a public health nuisance and crisis and now you got all these different um, departments being lifted up off the disparities of our communities and now you got these departments who have millions and millions of dollars going through them and paying all these people six figures, Man. right, to issue out some money to us to go out and fix the problems that the system has created in the first place, mm. right? So now how do we sit here and have this conversation wholeheartedly without addressing how we got here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then like like my brother was saying, the domino effect of what happens that we don't see after it happens, mm-hmm. right? So I, I just wanted to throw that into this mix also. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a great point. I think, um, you know, people say like a lot of times things don't matter to people until it comes to their front door, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a case of that, you know, when other communities who aren't affected by the things black and brown folks have been affected by, um, when they, you know, when it does get close to them, um, it's, 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 it's interesting how quick the resources come, mm. you know, I think that's what I'm, what I'm getting from it too. You know, I think the resources exist, but access to it is, it's different, mm-hmm. you know, depending mm-hmm. on who you are, what you look like. Well, how come we don't address it like we address COVID? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. COVID came, where did, where did all those billions of dollars come from? Yeah. 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 When they've been telling us for decades, we don't have enough money to get you employed. We don't have enough money to house you. We yeah. don't have enough money for a better education system. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to share them books at Rainier Beach High School. Kids got to march out in the middle of the day and protest because they ain't got enough books. Right? I mean, come on, man. And yeah. then all of a sudden COVID hits, it's because it didn't, ju- it didn't just affect us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now billions of dollars got rolled out. Billions. Now just imagine if we address gun violence the same way we address COVID. Bars. Yeah. Bars. It's yeah. true. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad you guys brought that up. I think it sets the stage, right, for the listeners and the viewers. You know, um, it's, it's important for people to be informed on, like you said, how we got here. Um, but I do think, you know, you guys, like Irma's was giving you guys your flowers, but I do think you guys are doing real work, you know. Um, and I think people should know about some of the things you guys have been doing that, A, have been working, right, mm-hmm. um, and will continue to work, but then there's probably more things that you want to add. Um, do you guys want to touch on some of those things that you guys have been doing? Yeah. I love DJ Erm's quote to start this where he said that basically we have to be the change mm-hmm. that we want to see, that the people that we've been waiting for is us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason why I believe that so much, specifically when it comes to gun violence, is because there's a uniqueness about gun violence when it comes to, compared to any other challenge that we're trying to solve. And that uniqueness is, there are an infinite number of factors that lead a person to decide to pull a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And if we rewind the tape, you know, the bullet goes back into the gun mm-hmm. and the person's finger unclenches from the trigger and you just play out this person's life, what got them to this point? Mm-hmm. You can literally spend your life talking about what kind of solutions would have stopped them yeah. from doing that thing. And so it really will take every single person yeah. in all of society to make this stop. It's not just somebody in government. It's not just somebody like Coach Dom. Mm-hmm. It is you all. Mm-hmm. If you're able to give a young person a job at a podcast mm-hmm. or where they feel like 
oh, actually, there is somewhere for me. Yeah. There is somewhere mm-hmm. where my talents can create purpose for yeah. me to, mm-hmm. to remove me from this situation. If you got basketball, coaching somebody, that can be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. If you live in a neighborhood, Rainer Vista, New Holly, where they're beefing with each other, and mm-hmm. you, you're part of that neighborhood, and you have trust with any of these young people, before they do something, if you're able to reach out and ask them, like, what's going on? Talk to me. Yeah. Like, I know about mental health services. Let me connect you. If you're able to connect them to a job opportunity, mm-hmm. like, really think about the billions of factors that go into somebody deciding to pull a trigger. Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to generationally, like, going yeah. back yeah. to how did their parents treat them? How yeah. did their parents' parents treat their parents? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. it's, it's yeah. infinite. So uh, I can talk about some solutions. I know this, like I was telling before, but this is the number one voice in our Man. state. Blueprint, blueprint. This is the person who, I mean, without you, how many how many more victims do you think we'd have in our state? Literally, I think we're, I think we're talking hundreds, thousands, thousands yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and that's because he intervenes before and he stays with them after something goes down, too. So there's a spectrum of things that can be done. Um, but I, I want to I started with that framing because it's it's more than what most people think of when they think of gun violence. They just think of gun control at the state level, you know, assault weapons, bans, things like that. But, man, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you, bro. I appreciate you. As I think about the things that are working, this is what I want to stay focused on. Mm-hmm. The things that work, bro, is engaging in consistency, showing love and empathy, opening up a door for young people to feel like, like my brother was just saying, they belong. Not only belong, though, that, you, that, that they have some people that care enough about them to take them no matter where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right? We have this attitude through systematic indoctrination <laughs> of throwing away our young people thinking they're too far gone and nobody's too far gone mm-hmm. there like and so when when we're working with young people who are facing criminal charges at all levels we got people sitting in jail waiting to go to trial that's going in and out of court that's gonna go do 25 to life we know they are right but when they get referred to us we're gonna go engage them while they're locked up we're going to come to court and support them. We're going to be in meetings with their attorneys. We're going to be right and just show that. Was, and then also, what are your dreams? What are your passions? Because you're mm-hmm. 19 years old. You're going to be back in community again one day. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a reentry program waiting for you when you get out. All the way to that next tier of we got young people that are facing criminal charges. We help them get out on house arrest or probation or whatever. And then we're working with them, getting them back engaged in education, getting mm-hmm. them a job and an internship and apprenticeship, having them do healing circles and doing therapeutic sessions, making sure that they got a support team, a wraparound service team around them, right? And also supporting their baby's mama or their, their grandma, whoever they live, right? Making sure that they see us, that we support their family and their loved ones at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And so... Then, and then that, that regular engagement and that consistency of, okay, I know you fell down. I know you started using again, but we're going to get you back up. We're going to dust you off. We're going to give you another opportunity and try to get you plugged into this detox mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. right? And we're going to be here again. You know what I'm saying? But it makes them feel worthy. I've had young people say, man, I never wanted to fight for myself. I would have just took the charges and I just would have took those felonies. But I've seen you fighting for, the, for me to get these felonies dropped, and it made me want to fight for myself. Mm. They need to see somebody that thinks that they love them enough that they're important. They need to feel important, mm. right? 
That's true. But then, like my brother was saying, it's generational because their parents didn't get love and they didn't get the care and they didn't get. They don't know how to be a parent, right? And not all of them. I'm just saying a lot yeah. of the cases. Right? Yeah. And so you have this generational thing that's just going over and over again. So now, what works though? This is what works. If I sat back and I pulled up all the data and all the stats, and because we got to do data all the time, we got to we got to live by it's the only way we can get paid and get money and hire people and get them trained up and get them out. But the whole credible messengers, live life experience, folks, and all that, yes, we, we all, I don't even have to go down that road. That's obvious, right? We got to get people that can speak the same language, been walking down the same streets and alleys that these young people have been through. Yes, that changes their dynamic, which also changes the dynamic of the people that they work with on their caseload, right? Mm. The best people that are effective is the people that know this, the streets yep. that know, and know how to, that you can teach them how transferable those skills on the streets are into this work and into other venues of work. Right, make them feel. Man, I I can't tell you how many adults have been like, man, I, this changed my life. Bro. This made me different. I would have went back to the joint a long time. Yeah. This is right, and so yeah. you build an ecosystem of support. You have to create the village. Yep. Yeah. Right. They say it takes a village, but it, it, our village has been decimated. Mm -hmm. So we have to create that village. Mm -hmm. right? And how do you create that village? Well, economics is the biggest problem we got in our communities. Economic. Apartheid is what we live under, period. No matter how much money we make, they keep raising the price of everything to keep us. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. I mean, and so when you're able to provide a good living wage mm -hmm. and put some skills under somebody's belt, yeah, what works, man, is the right people in the right place with the right training, with the right heart and the right attitude, putting the right love and affection to the right people in the demographic that we approach, man. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead. You got it. Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because um, me and Robbie were kind of talking about it too, where it was like when we were younger, it was it felt like there was some sort of disconnect from like an older generation. And it was like, oh, the young dudes are tripping. They're, they're wild. And then it's like now that we got older, I feel like my generation is kind of saying the same thing. So it just keeps yeah. going, you know? So yeah. I think just speaking from my perspective and like my generation, I think we got to realize like the world changes and it keeps changing. So we got to like, understand how the world works through their eyes you know mm. and then kind of connect and i feel like i don't know man it's just crazy you know because sometimes we feel helpless so mm -hmm. yeah you know but we feel helpless because we don't know what to do right yep. yeah my goal and i say this all the time is there has to be more of us than them and we have to turn them into us right how do we go out and be that army that example i think about the black panthers right i think about the way they stood strong can you imagine seeing a hundred black men showing up, all uniform, walking in alignment together, Inspirational, bro. walking right. together uniform, walking at the same step, listening to the same cadence and making the same calls, walking through the hood? Yeah. Like, do you know how many young black men be like, man, I want to be that. Yeah. I want to be part of that. Yeah. Like, it's time for that, bro. And I'm not saying we got to come out and, and just be the black, but we got to come out unified, yeah. uniform. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's interesting uh, bringing up the Black Panthers. I remember uh, when Bobby Seal, he came out here and spoke. I think it was like, it was like th like 2017 or something. And I went and I went and uh, saw him speak. And he said something that just blew my mind. He said when they first started the Black Panther Party, it was like roughly about 700 members across just California. Mm -hmm. Literally, and that was in, I think, April. And he said by November, which I think was like seven months, by November they had like close to like 7,000 mm -hmm. multiple chapters across the nation. And this is pre-internet, pre-all of that. You know what I'm saying? So I think you just bringing that up just sparked that in my head about, you know, when you really are intentional about 
you know, trying to find a, a collective solution, right? And you're you want to rally around like-minded people. Like it's it's amazing what can happen with that. You know what I'm saying? And what can come of that? So, and yeah. I, I didn't want to get. I don't want to bore everybody with all the programs that we have under our community mm -hmm. pastors' mm -hmm. ways banner and right and from education to homelessness to um, school safety to community safety to right outreach blah blah I can just go to case man yeah. all that kind of stuff I, I could talk about a deep dive and going after the most highest end young people involved in gangs I can just go down that program thing but I would like to just more stay on the note of how do we pull people in. Mm -hmm. How do we get more in? When we were at the meeting the other day, right? We it was like a call to action. You had started the tone with, "This is not just a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. We are here to make action happen." Yeah. Right? This is a what, what, what was the word you used? This is a town hall. He said, nah, "Somebody did their research." Yeah, yeah. I, I was there. I was there. I was there. He said it was. A, he said, "Let me." Research. He said, "This is not a town hall." Yeah, it's an like, organizing. This is yeah. organizing, and, and, and that's that, it, did, it changed the dynamic for sure. It did. It, yeah. it, the way people came out and spoke, and like you know, there was some rebuttals here and there, but it, it really felt like a, you know, it goes back to his quote. Yeah, because you didn't come to this meeting to just yell. Yeah, you're not just gonna come here to yell at me come because on. I'm I'm trying my best. Yeah. But yeah, you're coming here to find out what you can do, right, to make a change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like what you were saying, Coach Adam, is like you don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but I think that framework that you all use about how to divide up and think about the different strategies for gun violence prevention mm -hmm. really can help a new listener understand them. Okay. The prevention, yeah. the intervention, and the restoration. Yeah. 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 So yeah. restoration you can think of at the end of the timeline, which mm -hmm. means somebody's already been shot. Mm -hmm. Now you got to restore the family. you got to go out there and make sure that the, the mom has rental assistance. The, the family has funeral costs paid, which Coach Dom do does. Yeah. You're restoring a family before that virus of gun violence spreads to other people. Mm -hmm. That's the restoration piece. The intervention piece, you can think of somebody is imminently about to pull that trigger and we got to intervene. Mm -hmm. This this is the group that Coach Dom probably spends his most time on. Mm -hmm. You can speak for yourself, but that's the hardest to reach group. But when you're thinking of somebody who is at the point where they're ready to pull the trigger, mm -hmm. what can you really do to stop somebody from doing it? Like, we're not just talking about just anything. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people are saying, I need to get revenge. Like, you killed, yeah. my, you killed my brother. Like, mm -hmm. what, kind, what, what are you going to say to me to stop, to stop me yeah. from getting revenge right. on yeah. a dude who killed my brother? Like, yeah. you know, I, I can tell yeah. you what I... <laughs> yeah. So that's the yeah. intervention yeah. piece. Stuff we use. There, there's the, the hyper-focused intervention stuff, the relationship building to get that person to stop it. You can also do it through space activation. Mm -hmm. You know, when with Rainier Beach Safeway parking lot in 2020, there were 12 shots fired in that parking lot. And so I started working with Southeast Network and Community Passageways and all the organizations that do violence reduction work in physical spaces. And what they did is activate that physical space. Mm -hmm. They they brought in music and better lighting and mm -hmm. food and warmth and relationships yeah. and de-escalation de training for those Safeway workers and the small businesses. Mm. 2020, 12 shots fired. By 2021, zero shots fired in that parking lot wow. because of yeah. that intervention strategy. Again, mm -hmm. intervention is at the point of shooting. Make sure that that shooting doesn't happen. And then prevention is everything you can imagine to make sure somebody doesn't get to that point where they're mm -hmm. even thinking about shooting. Mm -hmm. That's where we're talking about um, mentorship programs, yep. jobs, opportunities, yep. relationship building, all the stuff that you can think of to make sure a young person is safe, housed, healthy, and so far away from ever getting to the point where an impulse of anger 
leads them to shooting a gun. Mm. Right. So again, for the for new listeners, that's how we we hear. That's how I think that a lot of them uh, uh, break up their strategies. It's the prevention, the intervention, mm-hmm. and the restoration. Mm-hmm. And so, and I like that. There's the yeah. piece that we also want to, and I want to add this into what he just said. There's a diversion piece also, right? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure we're using the criminal justice system as an intersection, mm-hmm. right? Not just a punitive system to put people away and put charges on them, and then have, they have to go through that revolving door yeah. of the criminal justice. But make sure that we are using it to make sure we're putting the uh, put the young person and the family in a position to heal, mm. right? Like he was saying, when somebody gets shot. That dom- there's a there's a the, like the bullet comes back into the gun. They, they took the trigger right. There's this whole thing that happens, right? So when I think about that, I think about oh, we got to get further upstream. Mm-hmm. Like I can't. I I've been to more funerals and birthday parties. You know what I'm saying? I've I've dodged more bullets than you can ever imagine. And some of my teams have been shot, and some people have been shot. This is like we're putting ourselves in harm's way on a regular basis. You know what I mean? And so when when there's only when there's 25 people that get murdered in a year, that's still just as effective to us as 70 people, right? Because we're at those funerals, we're mm-hmm. paying for those funeral costs, we're paying rental assistance, we're making food stability happen, mm-hmm. we're making sure there's therapeutic services that happens for their families. All that stuff is happening, right? But when we when I say we got to get further upstream, because this is this is like it's traumatizing us. We're traumatized too. We got yeah. compound trauma, right? Mm-hmm. We want to do something to go up the river to slow this thing down because mm-hmm. we're running around here. Like crazy, we got a critical instance response team that answers to the calls of the shooting. SPD, you know, all that they when there's a shooting in our community, my t- my critical instance response team shows up to the mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. to try to figure out how do we help the the victim and the victim's family and the community. How we make sure we slow down retaliation and try yeah. to get in the way of it mm-hmm. and all, all that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. we're at the hospital putting together a safety plan for the family, a safety plan for the victim, making sure when that victim does come out, if they survive, then we put them in a place to heal, yeah. right? Wherever we, we we make sure we're doing all that. So we're doing all this work, right? Yeah. But so, but we're we're over here and I, and after a while we start feeling like we're playing whack a mole. We're just running all over the place trying to mm. answer to after something happens. Yeah. Which, at the same time, we're up front doing some upfront work, but yeah. it just starts feeling that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you you can't quantify or qualify quantify or qualify. You can't what you stopped, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't know how many shootings you stopped. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't told the little homie, nah, man, you're not doing you know, we done yeah. had those conversations with you it ain't happening, right? Whatever. But but you don't know how many things you've actually stopped by making sure that all these other factors come into play to make sure this young person doesn't fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. But Going upstream now is a big focus of mine as I got all these teams doing this work that I just w- talked about. These middle school kids, man, right? We're stepping into more middle schools now. Mm. More middle schools is where we're going to be doing more case management at, right? Because now you got these 13-year-olds being put on. You got these 13, 14-year-olds being put on. Mm-hmm. That These cats, are, the older cats are a little, and the OGs now are 20, 22, you know, they're 23, <laughs> You know, they, you know, they're just young dudes, but they're going after these young cats because they know the system doesn't punish them like it punishes them. And I'm telling you right now, man, after seeing all that and seeing what I'm watching with these 14, 13-year-olds, now we're in these middle schools, bro. We're putting together um, um, HBCU college tours with the middle school kids. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're doing mm-hmm. healing circles with the middle school kids. We're doing yeah. case management to help them and their family make their yeah. They got food and Windows systems, whatever, right? Yeah. Now we're getting ready to start looking how do we build internships for 13, 14-year-olds. How do yeah. we navigate that and get yeah. them to go shadow different careers that they might be interested in, right? Mm. So let them see themselves on a black at Howard University or Gramlin or something, right? Let them see themselves, right? Yeah. Let them see themselves at a, at a law firm or a, a hospital or a, 
Like, let them see themselves, man. Yeah. So the only place they're not seeing themselves is on these damn phones and devices and then in the streets and in the jails and in the courtrooms, you know? Mm. That's real. I think it's so important that you brought up the your teams have trauma now, mm. like they have mental health issues. And I don't think we can have this conversation without diving into the mental health crisis yeah. that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, please. Right, actually, right after this podcast, both Coach Adam and I are going to uh, something called a behavioral health legislative forum. Behavioral health is the umbrella term that mm-hmm. you use for both mental illness and substance use disorders. So, okay. Mm. Uh, so addiction, mental illness, under that umbrella, it's okay. called behavioral health. Okay. Um, and we're going to this forum to talk about solutions for behavioral health. And this is an issue that is as big, if not bigger, than gun violence itself. And I know those two things are very connected, but... Uh, mental illness is on the rise, both in adults and youth, and addiction and overdoses, all-time highs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opioid crisis, they're, they're cooking and making these new drugs that are just way stronger, way deadlier, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where everybody should have uh, Narcan in the, their pockets. Yeah. Like, everybody's got to learn how to use those little devices. You squirt up the nose mm-hmm. and you can save a life. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have one of those, talk to me. Let's, let's find out how to get mm-hmm. you some. But I, I bring all that up because it is connected to gun violence. You know, there's so much trauma in our communities and people play out their traumas in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Some people become more isolated and reserved and spend time alone. Other people don't know how to control their anger and act on impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and so that, that's, a, that's a big issue too. And just like we talked about with gun violence, there's so many levels to, to mental health, right? Mm-hmm. We need the, we need, treatment for the people who are so far down the disease line where they are the people you see on the streets talking to themselves, breaking things, going through it. Uh, There are people who are on the verge of overdose, but the spectrum, you can go all the way up to just the kids who are feeling disconnected and anxious in Mm -hmm. high school right now. Mm -hmm. What what can we do for our high school students now before they end up like that person on the street? And this is not abstract because we all we all grew up in this community. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. people who were going through something in high school who are now living on the street, yeah. going through some stuff. Yeah. Um, and so what what can we do for them? One of the solutions that I proposed last year, which you all probably heard about, is the Crisis Care Centers Initiative. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about it at this Behavioral Health Forum. But we need more places for people to go when they are going through these kind of crises. Yeah. You know, they yeah. need to be yeah. able to walk into a place, low barrier access, and just say, hey, I'm not feeling good right now. Mm. What, what do you got for me? Yeah. And what do you got for me doesn't just have to just look like medicine. In my view, medicine can look like a hug. It can look like being reunited with yeah. your community. Yeah. It can look like getting an adopted family who's mm-hmm. making you the right food that reminds you of your childhood and yeah. makes you feel loved. Yeah. yeah. That's, all that, that's all part of it. Um, and so I think mental health and uh, addiction recovery are a big part of the conversation. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I, the reason I love this conversation, bro, is because we just live in a world where it's full of blanket solutions. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because we live in a world of convenience, yeah. right? Like, we can't ignore that. So I feel like that is part of society. Convenience is part of society. So we're just trying to, all right, let's 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 fix this. Let's get it, let's get it figured out. And that that's not going to work. A blanket solution is not going to work. Um, it's going to take real intention, tedious work. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm glad you guys are touching on the details because I think that's what's important that people need to know. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you took me down a slide. 
So I, I'm one of the co-founders of another company called WDC. It's called We Deliver Care. Okay. Right? It's been up and running for a couple of years. <clears throat> one of the contracts we just got a little, little over a year ago, a year and a couple of months, was the TAP project, Third Avenue project, mm-hmm. they call it, right? And so we got asked, will we be willing to take on this task of trying to do um, intense outreach? Well, they just said outreach. Could you help us with Third Avenue? Right? You know what's going yeah. on with Third Avenue. Yeah, you see yeah, Second, yeah. Third, and Fourth yeah. Avenue. Yeah. We all see it, mm-hmm. right? And that's been a problem for decades in that com- in that area. So I, I I was like, you know, yeah, we'll give it a shot. You remember you called me from Third Avenue and you were yelling at a dude, hey, put out that fire. Yeah. Out- <laughs> <laughs> True story. Okay, I was, face- was FaceTiming this man. We were talking about work or something, and he just looks at a dude on the hey, put that fire out. What you doing? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, dude had just started his own fire in the in the on the sidewalk in the middle of a walkway. And people, he was just putting stuff on the fire. So I was yeah. like, dude, what are you doing? Why would you burn it? Okay. He's probably trying to stay warm. I don't know. Nah, it wasn't even cold. It was summertime. He was just liking stuff. <laughs> anyway. That's crazy. Um, I'm saying, so yeah, we um so what we did was um got some folks from the community, trained them up, put together these training modules, in class training. I did recon for about two months downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching all the movement, seeing how people move, mm-hmm. watching how who was kind of running stuff down there, who's uh, talking to people. I'm down there at one, two, three in the morning, walking through alleys and all that, and seeing how people move from this alley to the alley, what time they were, just got there. And so we put together a training, uh, out in the field training after the classroom training. Mm-hmm. I took people down and walked them through that. Right, We did that for about four weeks, and then so we took it on. Third Avenue Project now. So now we got um, probably about 20-plus staff down there, and we do... Um, seven days a week, 16 hours a day of outreach. Mm. Second, third, and fourth avenue, they got their routes, they got their beats, and they got their backpacks with mm-hmm. cigarettes, water, snack packs, hygiene projects, socks, shoes, we'll buy them shoes, yeah. hoodies, whatever, right? And we're doing outreach. And and we have our, our, our devices to put it, to recommend people to the shelters and the detox beds mm-hmm. and the, and and, mm-hmm. and then we decided to start talking to employers so now we've been getting people some jobs and getting them doing this job readiness thing right getting them cleaned up yeah. helping them get their apartments and helping yeah. them getting it's just really dope and so it's been a year and so what we did the model is embed yourself into that community yep my team literally knows everybody's name down there and everybody down there knows my team's name mm. and everybody knows oh he's just tripping he'll listen to us when he's, he's out in the middle of the street, watch he watches it hey man hey come on yeah. get over here joe yeah oh Joe wakes up like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, Joe just, I mean, just like, but the the Narcan piece is why I brought this up because we've reversed over 230 ODs in the last 13 months or so. Wow. Right, over 230 ODs we've reversed, right? And at the same time, he's talking about his centers that he's he's, um, pushing. Um, There's been nowhere but the hospital to take them. And then they're right, or jail. Or jail. Or jail or the hospital. And then they're right back out on the street. So we'll, we'll Narcan somebody one day and see them 24 hours later back on the same corner. They mm-hmm. were dead. They were gone. We CPR Narcan, another Narcan. We've had four or five Narcan, six Narcans at one time in one pe- some people wow, to bring man. them back. Wow. Right? Yeah. And now we save their life and we're all happy. Right? And then right back. So you're like, what, what is this system? What are you doing? So we've been able to navigate with the collaboration of other partners and then with other people that have opportunities for us. We've been backdooring some of these red tape and bureaucracy and systems. And what you just said a few minutes ago is like there's a blanket approach. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the blanket approaches come with people getting finance behind. People are getting money. People are getting rich from those blanket approaches. Yeah, right? yeah. So people don't want to change those blanket approaches because then, yeah. then you start solving problems that 
t- taps into people's pockets and yeah. their profits, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. So, that makes sense. So what we've been doing is, um, but it's been cold because we've also been reuniting people with their families. Reunited, I don't know, 15, 16 people with their family. My people get on the internet, finding one. the families. We done flew people out of the state to their families. Wow. We done have people, we done held their people, took them up to the hospital, had their families come meet them that they ain't seen in years. They just been right out here. And so we've been, I could just go down this list of crazy successes that we've had. Yeah. Now, mind you. That doesn't make the news, though. Oh, that's um, that's my point. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, why it's important to share that exactly. because people yeah. need to know. Yeah. People need to know what's working, right? Because yeah. they're only going to tell us the negative stuff. They're only going to tell us what's wrong. Bro, this man literally puts his body and his life on the line every day, and his team does too. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, and you're in these high danger environments, obviously there's going to be some issues, right? Yeah. 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 But it's only the issues that end up getting highlighted. Yeah, so just, yeah, yeah. It's just really unfair and uh, mm-hmm. kind of sad. And a lot of those shootings downtown. Yeah. That. A lot of the shootings downtown when my team is down, we're running over to the, we're running towards it and putting pressure on bullet wounds. Right? All that. Yeah. Oh, and then I want to just say this part. And I'm, I can end it here because I want to keep going down this road because it, it's, it's sometimes it's futile because really people don't really want to, they're not really interested in, in um, the answers, right? But I get frustrated because now we're looking at this is something that can work. This is something that if we got 16 people full-time jobs that were once laying on Third Avenue on the ground, and in less than a year, right, we've helped them. We got 16 people full-time. I want you to just take that in for me. 16 people drugged out on Third Avenue that you walk by leaning over, Mm -hmm. right? And now just because we've engaged them every single day, for months until they were ready, and now they got their now they got full time jobs. I was just wow. down there the day before yesterday. Wow, that's powerful. Because we work with them. Employers want to hire people and give them a chance because yeah. they know there's a problem. Yeah, it ain't like they don't want to. It's yeah. just like you, they need to have support too. We yeah. have to support. But that's right. we're down there for 45 minutes, uh, about an hour, maybe two, and we're on the corner, Third Avenue, right in front of Ross, right chilling. Me and a couple of my team, my other teams are down there. Literally in 45 minutes, three different brothers. It's a lot of black men down there, bro. Mm-hmm. A lot of black men going through this. Three different brothers came up to us and had their key cha- key around their neck. Thank you, thank you. Got their first apartments. They wow, got their that, apartments. Yeah, not not shelter, not a shelter. Yeah, an apartment to move wow. into. Mm. They were so excited. The third brother came and he showed us. He was walking across the street with a big grin, and my team was like, "Oh, he must have got his keys today." Yeah. They knew he had got his yeah. keys. He didn't even got yeah. over to us yet to yeah. say, yeah. "Like, show us your keys, bro. Show us your keys." <laughs> He's like, "Man, yeah. I got my keys, bro." Yeah. Like, He's happy. Then he says, "After that, but I gotta kick this stuff though. Now that's mm. my next move. Now, mm-hmm. now I gotta kick this stuff." I was like, "Well, how are you gonna do that, bro? Well, I got my cocktails. I'm gonna use the cocktails for my my cravings mm-hmm. and all that." Whoop! I said, "But do you have any human support?" Who you got to support you? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do got one friend that's been clean. He's gonna help me a little bit, but but there was no support system, and we don't have the capacity to be watching over and hovering over somebody, right? We out here trying to do the. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What if we put the resources where they need to go to order in order to build up the capacity that needs to be built up to address all that? Yeah. And the gun violence. Yeah. You know, in here, five hundred. The police uh, budget's three hundred ninety million. Seattle police? Yeah, just right. Seattle police. So let's say 390 plus million, right? Then you have the criminal justice system is around 500 million, mm-hmm. right? So we just start talking about these numbers, right? Crazy numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Gun violence, 9 million, maybe 10, right? Being being put in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. 
what's most important to you. Mm. Your checkbook, your, your debit card records tell you what's important to you. Mm. Like what you spend your money in, and your efforts on. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Just imagine a world that there was $500 million invested in the gun violence. Mm. Just imagine a world there was $500 million invested in getting our kids employment and better education. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Just imagine that world. And we had just as many if, if police officers were outreach workers, too. Just as many police officers, we had outreach workers. Yeah. Just as many um, judges, and we had uh, di- EDs and directors over each department. Yeah. Just as many prosecutors and defense attorneys, we had job placement and housing uh, uh, case managers. We yeah. had, right? Just go down the list. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if we had that evened out, well, we wouldn't even be sitting here talking about this gun violence. Absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely That's right. That's what I'm saying. Even, even the crimes that necessarily nobody gets shot. But somebody gets robbed, you know, like it'll stop stuff like that. Cause now mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I got my, I'm good. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing pretty good in life. I don't got to go and whatever, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that's important. I it's, think, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the money. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one thing that stuck out to me when you were talking about like how you built your teams and these are people from the community. Um, so I remember um, I was on Grandma's uh, Instagram and uh, there was a quote that stuck out to me. And uh, it says every level of government, every business, every service provider and community member has a role to play in preventing violence and keeping us safe. Right. This man be doing it. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) But the reason I bring that up is because like a lot of people just like Erm said earlier, sometimes people feel helpless. And I think if you guys both can kind of touch on this, but like how how can people understand what their role is? Because I think a lot of times not everybody's a frontliner. Not everybody's the one with the bullhorn. And they feel like if I can't be that, then mm. I'm gonna sit this out and let those type of people yeah. Um, yeah. figure out the solutions and figure it out. So, like, do you have a message for those, for anybody who just feels like, dang, what's my role, or how can I figure out what my role is? I think you shouldn't start with the idea of what is the problem and let me solve it, which mm-hmm. sounds counterintuitive. You should really start with what is my gift and how mm. can I use my gift. To solve the problem mm. so it's a it's really a reframe i think people yeah. get lost in how to help because they just start thinking about the problem and then they start thinking oh well i need to have coach dom's skill set i need to be a police officer i need to you know know how to do violence interruption mm. and and i don't have that and i'm not a politician so i can't help mm. really mm. what you should be asking is what is my gift mm. what is the thing that i know how to do mm. what is the thing that makes me feel alive when i do it what is the thing that I'm doing and I don't even realize I'm doing because it's just so natural to me. Mm. You can find a way to use that to solve problems. Mm. Because like I said before, the problem of gun violence is so multifaceted. There are a billion different factors that go into it. You can find a way to use it. That's right. You can use this podcast to solve gun violence. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your multimedia people, photographers, you can definitely use photography, bringing in kids, teaching them how to use multimedia equipment, mm-hmm. giving them a passion to get off the street. Like, that mm-hmm. solves gun violence. Yeah, yeah. If you use music, that stops gun violence. If you play basketball, play football, that absolutely stops gun yeah. violence. Yeah. Um, especially, and this is the one that I'll, I'll stop at, relationships are key. And so if you are somebody who has relationships with people who you feel like are at risk of shooting or being shot, and, you know, we all grew up here. We all know who, we, everybody knows who the people are. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to reach certain people if they're too far down the line, right? Mm-hmm. I always think about this. All those millions of dollars that you're talking about, billions of dollars, when you think about the hardest to reach kids, how many 
programs do you think have actually touched them? <laughs> <laughs> like the kids who are, the, it doesn't have to be kids, young adults. Every, how many government programs do you think have actually touched those, despite billions of dollars being spent, how many have touched them? Probably none, right? Probably none. And that's because we're not being focused enough. You can't just throw out a program and say, first come, first go. You have to find out who has the relationship. Mm-hmm. Who, who lives yep. in New Holly, next door neighbor, who is the, the big homie to the, to the one person? Yeah. Who lives in Rainier Vista next to that? Who is whispering in their ear? Yes. And to get that person takes a lot of work. Yeah. And so if you have that relationship, if that's your cousin, if that's your brother, if yeah. you can pull them in and say, this is not the way, like I have this other opportunity for you. And you don't even have to phrase it as I'm trying to stop you from shooting somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It can just be as simple as, let, let me listen to you. I know you got anger. Let me be there to listen to you. Mm-hmm. But it really takes that focused intention of relationship building and also asking yourself, what is my gift and how can I solve problems? I love that. I so love our, that. our deep dive program, we started out by getting a list from the prosecuting attorney's office. Mm-hmm. Prosecuting attorney's office had a program called Shots Fire Program. And what they did was they would uh, use the algorithm of the names that they would come across at different scenes of shootings or being pulled over and getting caught with guns. And, get, and they had this list of names of young adults. And that list, you were deemed to either shoot or be shot within 24 months, 18 to 24 months. And so they did this presentation to us a number of times. And I was like, wait, hold up. What are you going to do with the list, though? Are we just going to sit and wait for something to happen? No, mm-hmm. we need that list. Give me the list. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started in 20, late in 2018 going into 2019. We finally got the list in 2019, gotcha. and we went purposefully to go out and get the highest of the high end yeah. young people. And we knew a lot of people on the list. We were able to tell them, no, he'd been killed already, and he's already locked up, and they moved out of the state. And right, we were able to because we knew, right. And so we that's what we do. We target, yeah, and go after and mm-hmm. pull in. Right? Sometimes we win. Well, we win more times. You know, we're around 75 percent. Okay, and I say 75 percent because out of the four cohorts that we've had kids in, we probably lost five. Mm-hmm. And it's 20, mm-hmm. 20 to 25 kids, 20, 25, 24, right around 25, 24 kids. It's called deep dive for a reason because every single day is engagement. Mm. So, I mean, so when you say that, I want to make sure that we do our programming to be very purposeful, to go after the high end of the high end. Yeah. Right? When we get referrals from my other program, CP Fit, they're coming from the court system. Usually nine times out of ten is involving guns. Right? And so, anyway, I, those are the people that need the most. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to be effective if we don't go after them. Yeah. Yeah. And just to close the loop and make this actionable for people who are listening, if you find out what your gift is and you're like, okay, I know what my gift is, but now what? Message one of us. Mm-hmm. Message one of us and say, you know, I'm an event planner. You know, that's my thing. Yeah. Coach Dom, how much help do you need event planning? Come on. Like space <laughs> activation. If, if, if somebody messages you and says, my corporate company has youth internship opportunities, if they reach out to you, what are you gonna say? Oh yeah, I, I got I got something yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody says I'm a photographer and I want to lend my service yeah. and they want to come take pictures of your events and come promote on. the events and come reach on. a wider audience, yeah, come on, help our social every, media. Let's go. Every yeah. single way that you can think of, yeah. you I need accountants. I need attorneys. <laughs> yeah, right. You're probably gonna have to pay for. I go down bro. the line. Come on, yeah. who wants to volunteer? Give me some. Pro no, bono. I think I think what it really is highlighting is everybody got a role to play. Everybody's mm-hmm. got every, a role and everybody play. can play a role, and I think that's what's important because, man, like, I, I just think. It is a collective effort, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and and everybody got to do their job, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever that job may be. I definitely agree with that because I think 
we're talking about domino effects. I think it's domino effects on both sides. Like it could be a domino effect in a bad way or a good way. So if we start doing stuff like that mm-hmm. and pretty much figuring out how we can make an impact and all that, then I think it'll just start going the other way. You yep. know what I mean? So yeah. well, before we yeah. before we call it a night, I, I I had a vision that came from the march we did on South Seattle when we shut down all the Rainier and, mm-hmm. and took o- took over South Seattle uh, during the George Floyd Right, I think it was twelve to sixteen thousand people showed up to this march. Yeah, it was incredible. I'm, I'm sure you guys remember that was mm-hmm. the first time in history that ever happened. Right, mm-hmm. and we and a team of us pulled that together. It was incredible, beautiful thing. And there was a lot of rival gangs there that didn't bust on each other and trip because the environment was just so energetic and had love in the air. Right, so I'm not gonna do that. What I do want to do is gather a thousand black men. A thousand black men. I want to get a thousand black men, and I want to bring as many of these young people into that space, mm-hmm. right? I want to have a series of events throughout 2024 with a thousand black men. If we can do one every quarter where we're bringing different neighborhoods, the CD, South End, Auburn, Federal Way, whatever around the county, and we're bringing them into that space and providing all the resources that, at their fingertips to be there and also providing a team of people to mentor, lead, and guide. Mm-hmm. I want to take those thousand black men through trainings and, and, and lift them up and give them the tools that, that some of them might not have already, right? To show them here's the roles that we can all play and just I want to be organized, right? So when I talked about that Black Panther image, man, I loved watching that and seeing that. And seeing, right? And I was little. I was going to the breakfast program, and I was going to the after-school touring yeah. programs. And I was yeah. like, I was around Aaron Dixon and Elmer Dixon and all them cats, right? I was there. Like, I seen all that, man. I was in the CD every... So I'm just saying, I went to the Mar- Marcus Garvey schools on Saturday, mm-hmm. in Saturday after. I hated it because I wanted to, yeah. <laughs> I to put yeah. on the dashiki and go learn about Africa. And yeah. all. But it was, but it, it planted seeds, man. Yeah. How do we bring that back, bro? Yeah. That's what we lost, man. That's We're real. splintered. That's we are real. splintered. And everything that is in our society and our community keeps us separate and independent and away from each other. We've taken <laughs> on a Eurocentric mindset of individualism that we have to learn how to conquer and go back to building our villages together. Mm. That's for real. That's for real, man. That's for real. Um, so I know I know both of you guys are very pressed for time. Um, I just wanted to ask this one question. Being that you guys are day-to-day putting yourselves, your energy, your efforts, right, into bettering the world, right, and the way you do it, um, and it could come with a lot of resistance, there's plenty others out here who are probably on that same mission, same path, same purpose. Um, do you have a message on what – they should be thinking about when it comes to sustaining themselves, taking care of themselves along the journey, because I think that's equally important as, you know, going full force and putting in all, putting in the grind and all that good stuff. So just a little bit about how to sustain ourselves as individuals in the within the fight. You guys have any perspectives on that? <laughs> that was a set, set up. <laughs> I'm horrible at taking care of me. I'm glad you can admit it. He's on me all the time about awesome. it. He's on me all the time about it, and I and I love him for that. Um, and this, I'm not good at it, right? Um, but after all the trauma that's been happening in the last couple of years, especially all the, the shootings and and our, some of our team members and our, or, our people that we collaborate with been shot and shot at, and you know all the funerals and the, the high level of homicides he was talking about, and just back to back funerals, and and anytime somebody gets shot, we're we're such a small community that we're connected to them. Somebody on one of our teams just mm-hmm. connected to him as a nephew, uncle, cousin, little brother, you know, whatever it was, godson, whatever. And so we took um, 86 people to a healing retreat mm-hmm. two weeks ago to Bend, Oregon. 
to the a golf course, the Tethero Resort. And they got everybody in their own rooms, had massage therapists. We hung out at the fire pits. Mm-hmm. We just chilled. Mm-hmm. Right? We had we cooked cookouts and we just all went to eat, eat together. Yeah. We right, it was just play games and and listen to music and yeah. karaoke and we just had fun together. Yeah. And at the end of that, during it and after it was over with, everybody was like, I didn't know. We had a massage therapists come out and all that. I they were like, I didn't know how much I needed that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how much this was this yeah. means so much. They were so thankful. And we flew them out. We didn't have drive no buses. Yeah. We bought airline tickets, bro. Mm-hmm. I found a funder, the Grossmount Foundation. I'll give them a shout out. The Gross, Gross, Grossmount Foundation. I, we, the money was supposed to come from government entities, mm-hmm. and it didn't come. Mm-hmm. And I had to say, well, we might not be able to go. We might have to wait till next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can go. And everybody was like, oh. You know, and I was like, oh, man, this is bad. So I started making some phone calls. I tapped in with them. I told them the need, and they were like, we got you. Mm. They, they gave me a big check. Shout out to them. It's like, man, we were able to take all these beautiful black and brown people to be in space together and in peace and in harmony and mm. just in a beautiful scenery. The first day we got there was a double rainbow going over the hotel uh, resort, over the golf course. And we're all sitting up looking at this double rainbow. It was just beautiful. Damn, so, you painted a picture, man. Yeah, it was yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love bro. that. It was beautiful. So I just had to say... That was, I, that's the beginning stages of us going into the new year, mm-hmm. um, going after the funding that we're going after. And, and some of the council members have talked to us on the city side and said we want to support that continuously. So we want to do something every month and every quarter and every year. Not that big. Once a year, maybe that. But some regular therapeutic sessions, regular. And we provide therapy, free therapy for our, our teams. Mm-hmm. right? And so everybody has access to therapy. And a lot of them take advantage of it because they've been through a lot. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I mean, other than that, for me, I just, I got to get better because I just want to take care of anybody else. I, I got a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, he touched a lot on activities you can do to heal and stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that I like to do, you know, take walks, play basketball, spend time with people I love. But there's a couple quotes that I always say, going back to DJ Erm, the, <laughs> the quote man. Maybe you can use this on a future podcast. <laughs> oh, but there's, yeah, yeah. There's two quotes that I always play through in my head when I'm feeling stref- stressed out. The first one is, not every problem is my problem to solve. Mm. I tell myself that every night. <laughs> like to, when I'm feeling, I need to write that, down. Yeah, write that down. If I see the world is about to end and all that, I, not every problem is my problem to solve. Not That's every right. problem is my problem to solve. I say that to myself a lot. And then the second one that I always say, sometimes they are my problems, but I say not every problem needs to be solved today. Mm. Not every mm. problem needs to be solved today. Mm. And I'll tell myself that's tomorrow's problem. <laughs> you yeah, know, about to, yeah. how about, because some, for some reason, it's right when you're about to go to bed where you're like, damn, I got to do X, Y, Z, one, two, yeah. three. And then I'm like, you know what? What's my responsibility tonight? My responsibility tonight is just to get rest. Yeah. That's yeah. tomorrow's problem. Yeah. Not every problem is my problem to solve. Not every problem has to be solved tonight. Those mm. two things get get me through. I love that. I love it too. I'm stealing uh, those. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Really? Uh, man, Dominique, Germay, man, we, we appreciate both you guys, man, and mm-hmm. the, your teams and um, the work you guys are doing and will continue to do, the impact you guys have created, the shift that you guys have created. Um, we, we, we salute you guys for that. But before we get you both out of here, I know we've done it already with you guys separately, but I just want to hear at this very moment. What's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why? Legacy. Mm. I 
think I'm going to say the same thing I said four years ago on this podcast. I think it was responsibility. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Was it? Was okay, look right? at that memory right there. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Man, yeah, it was. I think it was. Okay. We'll okay. double check. Pull, pull up the receipts. We'll double check. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, um, I think it was, though. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it was. was yeah. I think it was, man. Um, but yeah, like I said, man, both you guys continue doing the work, keep, keep inspiring. Um, you know, we're all here with you. Um, and I think this, uh, hopefully this episode has been, uh, healing, enlightening, informative for yep. people. Cause I think, you know, yep. <laughs> like you said, the, the problem's not solved today, right? Like yeah. there's so much more work to do. Um, but we wish you guys much more success in what you guys are doing. You know, you guys support with us here at the up and up always, always. Um, mm-hmm. and with that being said, I think it's safe to say, man. They're still on the up and up. (laughs) (laughs) Round of applause, man. Hey, there we go. Put it up. (laughs) Thank you guys, man. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire Up and Up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the Up and Up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the Up and Up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the Up and Up.